0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com.
1: Thank you for listening. And good morning. And you got a little uh, little bit of information there that we were, weren't paying attention like we should have been. And uh, in fact, uh, we'll tell you why we weren't paying attention as we start David's pick and start out like we always do with a moment of silence prayer. And we want to definitely include the area that our guest is from, uh, which is on the coast of Georgia. And uh, I hadn't heard or realized that uh, last night they were hit by a tornado, uh, which was uh, due to the hurricane that's uh, going along the east coast now. So uh, Keith did tell me that... uh, there were some injuries but no deaths from it. And uh, we'll talk more about it with Keith right after we take our moment of silent prayer and, and think about our men and women that have served and those that are serving. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute. And let's uh, uh, get right into the show and uh, talking with Keith Post. And uh, Keith is the director in Saint, at St. Saint Mary's Mar- Submarine Museum and uh but keith uh, welcome back to america's web radio keith has joined us one other time and uh it was a great interview and that's why we wanted to have keith back on particularly in the summertime and uh talk about uh what's uh what's going on and what's happening and so I didn't realize we were going to have breaking news, Keith. So you want to fill us in about what happened uh, last night with the hurricane and then the uh, tornado that it hit in your area?
0: Absolutely. And good morning, David. Thanks again so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. Uh, I so enjoyed our interview uh, and time spent with you back in May. And uh, uh, I guess I didn't mess up, so you invited me back. So I appreciate that. It's uh, good to be with you and your viewers and listeners this morning.
1: Who, who let um, you out of the submarine?
0: <laughs> yeah. well they let me out about 18 years ago they they said i was getting a little too chubby it's time to go <laughs> but uh i do appreciate you uh uh remembering our folks here and your moment of silence this morning we uh we uh did have some damage yesterday um fortunately it wasn't worse than it was but it was still bad enough especially for those who were affected uh jacksonville got hit uh, pretty hard as well but uh storm Elsa, um, uh, I don't know how many, if it was just one or a series. I haven't really seen an update on it yet, but uh, in our downtown area, a couple of blocks from where the museum is, uh, a storm went up. Uh, apparently a tornado went up through that way. There's a lot of De- Deborah's power lines down trees, so vehicles <laughs> hit and whatnot, and then it uh, continued on up to our Admirals walk area of town and uh, jumped into the submarine base and the worst hit area on the base was the rv park they have an rv park which is uh open to active duty and to retirees and there are a bunch of rvs that were flipped over ten people were taken to the hospital from what i understand but everybody is okay um one rv was even uh, blown into the lake there's a lake there called lake d um and uh it was uh, thrown into the, the lake there but um uh, from what I understand, uh, there were no serious injuries and thankfully no deaths. And uh, the city and the base right now are working hard to uh, to uh, clean up the downtown area and restore power. And uh, I'm sure the base is busy at the RV park this morning. So uh, we want to remember all those folks and uh, and wish them all the best. And, and, again, thankfully nobody lost their life.
1: That's the most important thing. And, uh, you know, you can repair the damage, but you you can't bring back somebody so uh
0: absolutely and the the storm is continuing its trek northward today uh last i checked the weather it was uh i think up in north carolina somewhere heading up along the coast heading towards uh dc and uh, new jersey new york and new england so uh hopefully uh it it, it, uh, dies down on its way up there but uh certainly certainly wasn't very nice to us when it came through here and we got a lot of rain uh thankfully we didn't have any flooding uh uh, uh, much to speak of in the downtown area which is always a challenge for us at the museum we're kind of low uh, but a new drainage system that the city put in a couple of years ago uh, right before uh, the covid crisis had actually uh, seemed to really work really well so uh, uh, we didn't have any water in the museum which i'm very grateful for
1: oh that's great uh, uh, i was in uh, charleston when bob hit many years ago and uh you know, like you said, the streets flood very easily, and you know. And, and I did. You all have a lot of warning for for this coming. Yes,
0: yeah. The National Weather Service did a great job uh, yesterday, uh, as, as they, they do most every time. And the uh, you know, I had alerts on my phone. Uh, take cover. Uh, you know, shelter in the inside of the house, in the closet, or whatever. Uh, that came uh, very quickly, and uh, I live about. I would say probably four miles from the downtown area where the tornado hit and about two miles as the crow flies from where the RV park is on base. Uh, so, uh, you know, it uh, was very close to home, so oh, to speak, wow. but uh, they did a great job of getting warnings out. And the County Emergency Management Agency and the, the city uh, did a great job uh, warning everybody. And uh, I was down there last night. Um, checking on the museum, and the crews were out uh, in the dark with floodlights. Uh, they had a command center set up at the city hall. Uh, the city team did a great job of, uh, of responding to it right away, and uh, I'm sure the base did as well. In fact, the captain released a statement this morning thanking the Cannon County EMS and Fire for uh, helping out uh, with the injured uh, rapidly, and so uh, it's a great uh, – we have a great uh, – here in camden county in fact last time i was on i don't remember if i shared this with you but we have a uh, we have signs here in town uh in all of our local businesses uh, or at least most of them and it has big letters and it says Adishimad. and that's not a japanese swear word it stands <laughs> for every day in camden county is military appreciation day And we think of it here not as a slogan, but a way of life. And I will tell you, in my 22 and a half years in the Navy, traveling around the country from Hawaii to Connecticut to Florida and lots of places in between, St. Mary's was where I always felt the most welcome, where the community and the citizens here really care about those people serving in uniform. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I decided to retire here when I finished with the Navy in 2003. I spent three years in Washington, D.C., and I was very happy to get back here to Camden County where – I always felt welcome as a member of the military and and, and welcomed as a member of the community. So we have a great partnership here. In in fact, the Command Master Chief uh, uh, at Group 10 this morning, and when I was on the phone with him, uh, he said, if you need anything, let me know. We'll have manpower. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's it's a great team effort here, and we really appreciate the men and women who serve in the Navy, the Marine Corps, and the Coast Guard here at the Kings Bay Base.
1: That's beautiful, Keith. You've... uh You've made the whole show with that statement. And you know, there's there's no, in my opinion, and you know this a whole lot better than I do, but uh, you know, there's some cities that appreciate that military base, be it a post or a base or whatever it happens to be. And then there are other cities that seem to treat the resonance was less than. I think that's changed, though. I think it's much better than it used to it,
0: be. It much better than it used to be. You're right. I can remember there used to be signs: "Sailors and dogs, keep off the grass," and that sort of thing in different places around the country. And some places that have a facility really don't care as much about it, or didn't care as much about it until they threatened to close it. Then all of a sudden, it's like SOS! Yeah. I'll save our save our facility or whatever. So, uh, but I think that has changed, and I think uh, you know the, uh, the since uh, since President George H. W. Bush and the first Gulf War, when we welcomed our military home uh, after that successful campaign, and we tried very hard to shake the, uh, the 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 way that we treat excuse me the way we treated our Vietnam veterans uh, horribly when they came back from Vietnam, and and over the years we have done. I think a lot as a nation to try to, to, uh, I don't know what the right word is to try to atone for that or to try to make it right with our Vietnam veterans. I know every time I have one come in the museum that's wearing a Vietnam veteran hat or a shirt or something, I always thank them. And, uh, I've been privileged to host a couple of ceremonies here in the county for Vietnam vets. So, uh, so I think you're right. I think that has changed and, and, uh, places that have a facility are grateful that they have that facility because, uh, not only does it bring uh, economic benefit to the community but it's also uh, it's also the right thing to do it's a patriotic thing to do to thank those men and women who uh, who raise their hand and, and and step up to serve and sometimes we forget that uh, those in our military are volunteers nobody uh, nobody gets forced to do that they do that for some of them uh, they have all various variety of reasons for doing it but but the bottom line is they wear the cloth of our nation every day and we always should thank them for that
1: beautifully said beautifully said and uh you know i i totally agree with you and i anytime i get into a discussion with a veteran about that i always get this um i don't know sick feeling in my stomach i guess that it's so sad that we have such a beautiful wonderful country and only one percent decide to serve and say thank you for the fact that I was born and raised in the greatest country in the world and, absolutely uh, I just absolutely I get really upset that that's all that uh, and and yet our you know some of the things that are going on right now just uh, tick me well, off beyond belief in that you know we've We've given everything to everybody, and for people to, you know, we've we've got equality, and uh, there were a couple of um, light colonels on blacks that uh, on a show that I was watching the other day, and you know, there. Yes, I'll agree. There has been discrimination in the past, but the past is the past, and. You can't, you can't bring back a mistake. All you can do is make the future better and they were the first to admit that they have every opportunity that anybody else has and one of my close friends is a one star that's a black gentleman that uh, we're very close, very good friends and uh, I was all of an E5 and uh, yet he doesn't hold that against me and I don't hold it against him that he's a one star. <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you something uh, to, to uh, circle back to the museum for a minute. I'll share something with you that gives me hope. One of the uh, one of the great programs, and I, I don't know if, if you remember from our last discussion when I talked with you in May, we had just reopened uh, after being closed for fourteen months, and it's so. I'll tell you, it's so nice to have folks back in the museum uh, visiting and, and being able to share the rich history of the submarine force with them. And uh, one of the programs that we have that we started about eight years ago when uh, Vice Admiral, uh, or he was then Rear Admiral, but now Vice Admiral Randy Kreitz was the uh, group commander here at Submarine Group 10. We started having midshipmen uh, come to the museum for a history lesson from this old senior chief about uh, submarine history and, and uh, you know the, the legacy of our World War II sailors and the legacy of Thresher and Subsafe and, and, uh, and all the rest of our heritage and history, and give them a chance to see the museum. But what they do is they come from the Naval Academy uh during the summer, uh in between uh either their uh, I, I think COVID has changed it a little bit, but typically it used to be between their sophomore and junior year, they would come uh they go to a aviation facility to learn about aviation, they go to a surface ship to, to do a surface ship ride, they come to a submarine base to do a sub ride and to and to, to kinda see what they want to be when they grow up, so to speak, and, and see what discipline they want to go into in the military after graduation from the academy. And and I will tell you this year in particular has been so wonderful. I have had some incredible young people uh, from the Academy here at the museum over the last month. We just had our last group about a week ago, um, and it gives me hope. It makes me feel really good as someone who used to wear the uniform that the folks coming up uh, uh, care. uh, They're patriotic. They uh, are committed to what they're doing, and they're eager to learn. And uh, this year was one of the best that we've had. I don't know if it's because everybody is so happy to just be out and doing things again after you know uh, after this uh, horrible COVID year we've been in and, uh, and still are in unfortunately but uh, uh, things seem to be getting better thankfully and last year everything was canceled so having them back this year was, uh, was a great treat for me uh, and uh and it, uh, and I'll tell you uh, on, on a personal note. Uh, a couple of them, uh, we had some things happen at the museum that uh, relative to them and, and family members who served that I was able to share with them. And a couple of them reached out to me this morning. One in particular wanted to make sure that the the museum was okay and that the that the base was okay. That makes you feel good that oh, uh, somebody yeah. that was just here for a couple of days. Uh, that their visit, uh, you know, in, the, the, their visit here impacted them, and they cared enough to reach out to, to see how things were this morning. So it speaks well of uh, well of our future. Uh, also, uh, before I forget, David, if you'll indulge me a second, I want to give a shout out to Submarine Mike, who you know well up there. He uh, <laughs> he called me this morning to say hello. He said, "I heard you're going to be back on again," and uh, he said, "Don't screw it." Up. No, I'm just kidding. He, uh, he he wanted to wish me well, wanted to say hello, and uh, see how the base was as well. So. Uh, so I appreciate Mike, and I know uh, you've enjoyed spending time. He gets to come sit with you in the studio, which is kind of nice. I'm uh, I'm a little. I'm about five hours from you, so it's a little tough for me to get up there. But uh, I wanted to be sure to say hey to Mike.
1: Well, I'm sure Mike's listening, and he is. Um, in spite of what all these other people say about him, I like him. He's a good guy.
0: <laughs> he's one but, of them guys that kind of grows on you, doesn't he? Oh, he yeah. He's all right. Now he's, 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 he's not bad for a bubblehead.
1: He's He is the epitome of the question that i always ask which i i don't need to ask you because you've already answered it once but that is can you name one veteran that can tell one story and mike's like that uh, i don't know what he's like but you he's like that rabbit i guess you
0: the energizer you, bunny yeah they never stop <laughs> uh, you,
1: you get him to tell one story and and uh, you could go away and come back in a week and he'd still you he'd still be telling stories but, no, Absolutely. Mike's a great guy. And, uh, you know, this is what this show is all about. And, and by the way, I, I want to quickly thank our friend, uh, retired Colonel Rick White, that uh, helps get all the guests that we have on, that we interview. And uh, Rick has just done an outstanding job as the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and uh, we salute him every which way he is, he is a wonderful wonderful man you know in all the people that I've talked to over the past couple of years you say the you say the name Rick White and the first thing that comes out of their mouths is you know Rick's probably the nicest guy I've ever met and uh, everybody, you, you know, you could you could have a group of twenty people, and they would all in unison say, "Rick White is the best," and he is. I, I couldn't
0: agree more, and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person yet, but I look forward to that day, and uh, and. Uh and he not only is he a nice guy, but he's pretty persistent. He, after the last uh, our time together in May, he called me up not too long after that. and asked how it went. And he says, by the way, we would like to book you again. And he's a guy that uh, it's hard to say no to. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Well, he he served our country well. And more importantly, or I say more importantly, as importantly, uh, and I, I have never met his son, but his son is following in Rick's footsteps and uh, is a colonel, and uh, I, you know, that says so much about a father, that his son will do the same thing that his dad did, and respect his father that much to, you know, again, follow in his father's footsteps. And uh, Absolutely. it's My uh,
0: understanding from Submarine Mike this morning is uh, uh, Colonel Graham White, who is his son, is going to speak at a dedication up there in Johns Creek uh, in November uh, for uh, some kind of new um, thing in the Veterans Park up there is what uh, hmm. what um, Mike shared with me this morning. Well, that's hopefully th- I'm not spilling the beans on that, but uh, <laughs> if I am, I, forgive me, Mike. Uh, well, but uh, I thought uh, you that you know, was that's... very cool that he, uh, he even mentioned him this morning, and
1: uh, uh, that is appreciate that him is. sharing that. That uh, you know, Johns Creek is where the uh wall that heals is it's a replica of the uh, vietnam veterans wall in washington dc and it's the one that traveled all over the country and then john's creek bought it or the uh, the veterans association bought it and uh, it's in newtown park and open 24 7 and it is still still healing as people come and find their relatives or friends that died in Vietnam, and uh, it is it is quite humbling and sobering and a somber moment to uh, walk in that. And it's a beautiful park. And
0: uh, I'm, I look forward to seeing it someday. I'm sure uh, Michael will invite me up to something up there at some point. I'd love to. I love to see it. I, I will tell you, I, I couldn't agree more about the healing effect of that. I, uh, I have the privilege of serving on the board of the Coastal Georgia Honor Flight uh, here uh, based out of Brunswick, and we take uh, veterans. Uh, of course, with COVID last year, we had to cancel our flight, and we've uh, actually postponed this year's flight until next May. Um, but uh, I've been on the trip three times, and uh, the Vietnam Wall is so special. I mean, all of the monuments to all the services are very special up there, and going to Arlington is a privilege, and seeing the changing of the guard uh, oh, at the yeah. Tomb of the Unknown is, is, is always very moving. Um, and having been stationed in Washington, D.C. myself for five and a half years, I was privileged to attend a lot of events up there at different things. But the uh, the Vietnam Wall in particular has... It, it, It's—I uh, don't want to say magical. That's not the right word, but it, it, it has a special, special appeal to it. And uh, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, when it was first designed, and it had it had a lot of controversy. But I think uh, since then, uh, people have really come to appreciate the the elegant beauty of it and the the power that it has for those veterans. I, 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 I've been privileged to watch it in firsthand when some vietnam vets go to see one of their buddies on the wall it's very moving um, oh yeah it, it, if you are not moved by that you don't have a heart and soul is, is mm-hmm. the best thing i can say but uh it is uh, it is pretty special you know we, so that's awesome that that's up there i look forward to seeing it someday
1: we've uh sort of gotten off of your subject which we'll come right back to but uh if people don't know about it uh they're building a new monument to those that served in uh Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, I'm very glad to say that, you know, they've started construction, and I have no idea when it'll be finished, but uh, I'm just glad they're doing it. So many people... I think that's
0: what Mike was talking about this morning, and I think that's the thing that's going to be dedicated this fall. I could be wrong, but I believe that's what he was telling me
1: about. Oh, okay. Well, good. Uh, He would... uh, Well, he wouldn't be at Johns Creek. He'd be in uh, Washington,
0: the dedication. No, I meant the or, I meant the the park up there yeah, uh, that okay. you mentioned, and John Street is where I think this is going to be dedicated in the
1: in the fall. Well, that is fantastic, and so let's get back to um, submarines. And um, you know, as I mentioned to you when we talked before the show, I don't know why I was, but I was thinking about this morning and talking to you, and um, just. I guess I lucked into a good subject with you, but uh, I got to wondering how often, how many subs do you have up there total, and how many do you, how often do you have to pull them out of the water and do some kind of maintenance on them and or repay them?
0: Well, that's a, that's a good question, uh, David. I'll tell you, we have um, our Trident submarine fleet, which is our ballistic missile submarines. Those are the ones that are capable of of carrying nuclear weapons, um, they uh, we have six of those homeported here in Kings Bay, and we have eight of them homeported in the Pacific at our sister base at uh, in Silverdale, Washington, the, the Bangor submarine base. It's across Puget Sound from Seattle, and uh, and then we have four of the older Trident subs that were converted to carry conventional weapons they carry tomahawk cruise missiles they are an incredible platform here in kings bay we have two we have the uss florida and the uss georgia Uh, i was privileged to be the co-chairman of the return to service ceremony for georgia when she came back here in 2008 we had about 3,000 people at a ceremony down at the waterfront on the pier and uh, it was an amazing day Uh, and it's a credible ship on the west coast they have the uss michigan and the uss ohio that operate out of the bangor submarine base and uh, those two boats forward deploy to uh, Guam, and our two boats here forward deploy to Diego Garcia. And what I mean by that is uh, when they leave here, when they leave Kings Bay, they drive, uh, our boats here drive across the ocean, they go through the Mediterranean, through the Suez Canal, and into the Indian Ocean, and they operate out of Diego Garcia, and they're done. Anywhere from 15 to 24 months, depending on operations, uh, before they come back. We do that for a couple of reasons, and each, each one has two crews, by the way, um, a blue crew and a gold crew, just like our missile submarines do, and the, the, that dates back to 1960 when the George Washington made its first patrol uh, back when uh, President Eisenhower was president, um, and the reason for the two-crew concept was to keep the boats at sea longer. Uh, so you don't burn out the crews. Um, you're able to bring a boat in after patrol, uh, have a couple of weeks of refit, uh, restock, repaint, repair, and then turn that boat right around and send it out to sea with the other crew to do patrol. And back then it was, of course, against the Soviet Union. Now we, we do patrols, uh, I'm sure, against the Russia and or to counter Russia, North Korea, and, and China. But... Um, the uh, the reason why they stay gone for so long is it keeps the boat over there longer. We fly the crews back and forth uh, to Diego Garcia, but it also saves gas. And what I mean by that is uh, every time you drive that submarine back and forth across the ocean, you use a little bit more of the reactor. And uh, we're trying to keep those boats as long as possible, so uh, uh, they stay on station longer. It gives the combat commander that vessel to use uh, for operations and uh, and. And, and, and it's a great asset out there in the Indian ocean and the pacific uh in the same way with the banger submarines uh, they just do it out of guam and uh we have a naval base there we have four submarines homeported there as well four fast attack submarines uh that operate out of guam uh which uh, was what we called the pivot to the pacific and that was uh started by uh admiral konetsny who used to be the sub force uh, commander in the pacific uh, uh back when he was on active duty and uh that has been a, a great success story out there in the Pacific with having those submarines forward deployed. But getting back to your question, uh, our boats here, we have, uh, some people may not realize it, but we have the largest covered dry dock in the Western Hemisphere. Um, the Trident submarine is 560 feet long, and uh, our dry deck at uh, Naval Submarine Base Kings Bay uh, can have that boat in there uh, with uh, room to spare on the front and the back. Uh, the only dry dock uh, here in our country that's bigger is the dry dock, I believe, up in Newport News, where they build aircraft carriers, but it's not covered. Ours has a roof over it, um, and uh, it is getting ready to undergo a massive renovation, about a six, if I remember right, I believe it's around $600 million to renovate and um, and uh, revitalize the dry dock. And by, by The, cost the reason of- for that, it, it's 40 years old, and it has not had major work done on it, so they're they're going to, uh, uh, basically, uh, I, my understanding is they're going to gut it and replace all the pumps, the motors, uh, all the electrical stuff, That stuff that's uh, been, you know, being right down there on the river with the salt there and the salt water. I'm sure uh, they have a lot of challenges there. But, uh, like I said, it hasn't had an overhaul in 40 years. Uh, uh, so uh, it's in the desperate need of, uh, of some upgrade, and so they have uh, – uh, started that uh, just within the last month, I believe. Um, so it wow. so won't be available, the submarines. So I, I would assume if our submarines need a paint job, they're going to have to go up to Norfolk uh, to get that. I don't know that for sure, but that's what I would suspect. But uh, our boats, we keep them. I don't know what the schedule is. Uh, it's probably classified. Uh, but uh, they, they uh, bring them in periodically for a paint job. Uh, the reason for that is uh, it gets a good hull cleaning and uh, makes them more streamlined through the water. So, uh, you know, as a especially our boats, uh, like the GMs, that are operating out of Diego Garcia and Guam, those submarines operate um, in water that's very warm, and uh, your sea growth uh, has a field day in warmer water. It's not like being up around, uh, you know, the U.K. Iceland gap or uh, around the Arctic Circle, uh, you know, where the water's a lot colder. Uh, stuff tends not to grow on the hull. So... Uh, so they keep them painted, keep them streamlined, keep them uh, you know, stealthily uh, by bringing them in the dry dock and cleaning them and painting them. And occasionally you have to do uh, shaft work or, or uh, uh, work on the screw. So um, so having this dry dock here is a great asset for the base, but uh, it's uh, getting ready to get a, a nice facelift that's much needed.
1: For $600 million, it, it answers one question. Uh, the to- The cost of the toilet seats hasn't gone down. <laughs>
0: Well, probably. I don't think they're having to pull it in the dry dock to, ch- or the, the, to change the toilet seats, but you're right. It is it is an expensive proposition. Uh, anytime you do major uh, renovation like this, it's uh, but it's it's much needed. That's for sure. And you know, our, our submarine fleet. Um, when you look at the overall DoD budget and what we get for the dollar for the value of what our SSBNs provide it's a pretty small price to pay comparatively speaking uh, i don't remember the numbers off the top of my head but uh, the ssbn force is a relatively small part of the overall dod budget um and it, and it brings a lot to the table
1: you know and uh, and it's a lot of folks don't realize this but the importance of that offshore patrolling particularly now on the west coast and into all of the pacific and up up or over depending on how you want to look at it uh to hawaii and we still have nobody wants to admit it but we still have a cold war going on and um, it changes but that's the beautiful part about our military we're adaptable and uh we will answer the call, whether it's below the sea level or above. One or the other, and uh, the Navy and the Marines, particularly in the Navy's situation, can and do answer the call, and can and do answer any anything that needs to be done. And we have we have the best navy in the world i was curious uh, you know you were talking about the two crew situation that you all have or that the subs have uh that doesn't include the commanding officer or does it
0: no it does not oh, oh yes it does i'm sorry let me um each crew is a separate command so you have a commanding officer uh blue and a commanding officer gold the, 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 each crew is fully staffed with, um, you know, all of the uh, the crew members that you need, the wardroom, the chief quarters, and all of the enlisted folks with the various ratings. So you have two separate crews, and uh, like I say, they, uh, when, uh, when one crew leaves here, the other crew is here at the base, and what they're doing, uh, you know, they don't have three months off to, uh, to, uh, to rest. They get a few weeks' uh, leave. And then they start training. And our training center here at Kings Bay is one of the largest buildings in DOD behind, uh, I believe, if I remember right, it covers about 16 acres. It's a huge facility. And everything that's on a Trident submarine is in that building, basically, except for a reactor. they have a simulator in there. But uh, they they train on everything else. You know, it has a dive-and-drive trainer that's on hydraulics, so it's just like being on a submarine. And they can drill the ship's control party. Uh, if you think... Uh, uh, if you think you're a very uh, hot diving officer uh, and nothing they can throw at you uh, will uh, will cause you to, to lose control, uh, they can humble you really quick. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's good to be able to be challenged like that in a building where you get to walk out of there um, so that when you're out there on that ship, you know how to handle casualties. Wow. So everything in that training center uh, it, it, that's on that submarine, rather, is in that training center, and that's what the guys do during off-crew. Uh, they'll go through, you know, sonar trainers and ship's control trainers and dive and drive training and missile trainers, uh, you know, torpedo trainers. Uh, the mechanics will go through, you know, diesel and stuff. And uh, so there'll be individual schools, and, you know, you have a certain amount of turnover every off-crew. You know, a certain percentage of the crew leaves due to rotation. You know, the average rotation uh, for guys on the boat, I believe, is about the uh, probably uh, forty to fifty months, uh, give or take the rate and the rank. Uh, so you have a certain amount of people. So you constantly have people going to school to learn uh, to keep that ship manned at top. Uh, so you're constantly training, and wow. that's what they're. That's what the off crew is doing um, when the other crew is out doing its mission on patrol. So it's wow. a great program, and uh, you know the, the, the base is an amazing place. It is seventeen thousand acres. Um, and what they do on that facility is nothing short of amazing. It really is. Every few weeks, another submarine leaves quietly to go out on patrol, and uh, we have the Coast Guard escorting them out to sea. We have the Marines uh, guarding uh, the assets on the base, and the Navy guys manning that ship to go out and do the nation's business. And uh, it's a it's a remarkable uh, team effort. We call it Team Kings Bay, and. Uh, you know, our community is part of that as well because we support the base in so many ways, and it's a great partnership, and I'm privileged to be a tiny, small part of that uh, at the museum.
1: So. Keith, we need to uh, take a break. I, I sort of let a couple of them slip by me, but we need to take at least one, and uh, we'll come back with Keith Post right after a couple of messages. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. You're listening to
0: America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back on David's Pick on America's Web Radio with our guest, Keith Post. And uh, Keith has a record. Uh, you were in the military 29 years? 22 and a 22, 22, and, a half. 22 and a half. Okay. And, yeah, I'm a uh,
0: retired senior chief. I was a sonar tech in the Navy.
1: Ah. Huh that uh you got you got the pinging in the ear is that right
0: i got the ping in the ear you got it
1: <laughs> i uh you know it's so many things have changed over the years and i guess there's there's no one that can compete with the us technology and uh, everything from Uh, Just like you were talking about sonar to GPS to this to that and uh, our communications. And the one thing that hasn't changed at all is the brotherhood and sisterhood of military folks. And I don't care what branch you're in, uh, it's still, I've got your back and... I know you've got my side, you're, you've you got me on the right, you got me on the left, or whatever. And uh, that's through every branch. And, you know, the, some of our World War II movies and some of our military movies in the past of, you know, the, the uh, challenge between the Marines and the Army or Marines and the Navy and so forth and so on. But the bottom line is, When called to come together, there's no force in the world stronger than the United States military.
0: I couldn't agree more with you, David. And uh, I'll tell you something that uh, a couple of, about 12 years ago, I had the opportunity to be in a film documentary that this uh, fellow from Savannah, he lives up in Tennessee now, but his name is Michael Jordan. He does uh, great documentary films. And he did one called The Tale of Two Georges, and his main focus was on the. the USS Georgia coming back to service, and uh, one of the things that I said on that film, I'd say he put it on the very end of the film, is I talked just about what you said about the technology that we have, the amazing equipment that, you know, every time I get to go down to lower base and get to go on one of the submarines that we have here, even though I spent uh, close to 1,500 days under the ocean on our vessels, I still am in amazement of the capabilities that it has, what it can do, the technology that's in there, the equipment. It, it, it's just awe-inspiring, uh, even though I'm over 60 now and I still am amazed by it all and feel very privileged to have served on them. But the one thing that is constant, no matter how good it is, your life and the life of the guy next to you is still very much dependent on each other. It is still the people that make the machine work. And um, and that gets demonstrated to me time and time again when I run into veterans or I talk to folks. And and uh, it, it's amazing how the brotherhood and the sisterhood, like you said, uh, is, is, is there years later. I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. This past weekend uh, on Saturday, we had our St. Mary's Independence Day Festival. And uh, one of the hats that I've worn the past uh, two years, I got extended a year because of COVID, is I'm also president of the St. Mary's Kiwanis Club this year. And we host the annual Independence Day Festival in St. Mary's. We did it Saturday this year because the fourth fell on a Sunday. And uh, I was announcing the parade, and uh, I happened to wear my USS Nathan Hale ball cap. That was the first submarine I served on back from 82 to 86. And uh, that's the ship I earned my dolphins on. And... uh, After the parade, this uh, fellow came up to me and started talking to me. He said, you were on the Hale? I said, yeah. He said, I was, too. Were you in Scotland? I said, no. Anyway, to make a long story short, he and I both served on the same sub at different times. Then he went on the, the Nathaniel Green, and both the Green and the Hale were in Virginia in the shipyard being decommissioned at the same time. So he and I were serving in the same shipyard at the same time, and he had his son with him. Who was going to school at the Kings Bay base? He uh, he's a fast attack sailor. He's on the pre-commissioning unit of the USS New Jersey, and he just uh, made a west on one of our submarines out of Hampton, or out of San Diego, the USS Hampton, uh, to earn his dolphins. And uh, so his parents came down to see him while he was going here to Kings Bay to school, and he came down. They came down to the festival, and he just happened to see my ball cap and you would have thought he and I knew each other for 40 years. I mean, it's just that, that camaraderie that's there, that commonality um, is so special uh, in the military. And I, I, am a little prejudiced. I think it's really extra special in the submarine force because you spend so much time together in this black steel tube underneath the ocean, hundreds of miles away from home, hundreds of feet deep. And uh, you develop a bond that's, that's very unique. And uh, the years disappear. I mean, it's just amazing. So uh, later on in the festival, I ran into them, and I had a, I had about uh, 20, 30 minutes I could spare, so I drug them over to the museum. We close on festival days, um, and I uh, took them into the museum and got to show them around, and uh, it was really pretty special. But, uh, but I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we are, uh, uh, as a nation, we are so blessed, and we have so much to be thankful for, for all the technology we have. Uh, that we're able to do what we do. We're the envy of the world. It's its our nation that folks come to. Uh, like after World War II, we sold a lot of our old diesel boats to folks like Turkey and Greece and the South American countries. Um, you know, when our older ships, uh, our surface ships, uh, the... Uh, um, uh, the name just went out of my head i forgot the name of the class but we sold a lot of them to other countries uh, for continued service so uh we are the envy of the world technology wise it's uh and something to be very proud of and to be very grateful for
1: you know as you were telling that story about the gentleman on on the other ship on the other sub uh you know the this is one thing that nobody unless they've been in understands and and uh there's such a camaraderie and at the same token i've had i couldn't tell you how many folks and and it happened to me uh that the military will show you what a small world it is uh your best friend my a good friend of mine from high school was my ait platoon sergeant and uh you know, I had no idea where Danny was in the world, and all of a sudden he was looking at my name tag, standing in Shaline on my first day in AIT, and uh, you know it, it was great. But so many people have told me similar stories that you know they uh, they'd be going into the PX and run into an old high school or college friend or this or that or after you've like you've done served on different uh, boats uh, and ships that uh, you'll meet somebody like the gentleman that you met you know you may not have been on the same boat at the same time but you were on similar boats at the same time and and uh you know there's there's no way in the world that i could relate to you about submarines I get claustrophobic saying the word but you know <laughs> others that have served you all could sit down and talk for for days or months probably and talk Absolutely. about you know this and that and all this kind of stuff but you know but th- that's what the military's about it's it's a heck of an organization but it's it's all one big family and to be Absolutely. able to you know I never, ever begrudged saluting an officer and showing respect for an officer and then, you know, feeling like he respected me enough to return the salute. And, uh, you know, it just... There's a feeling about being in, in the military, any branch, that there's nothing comparable to it in the world. And this is when we always... Well, we recognize two different parts of it. One is you have the the wife or the children, wife and children, that even though their husband has been deployed, they've been deployed too, and they're thrown into a different world without their spouse for any number of months or time periods. And there's always the potential of of the ultimate sacrifice. At the same token, there's a call together of those that have been deployed and their families. When they need something, they know that they can count on other families to help them. And, Absolutely, uh, you know, Absolutely. It's, it just <laughs> and, and if you're if you know if you're a young man that's young man or woman that's just graduated from high school or from college and you haven't quite decided on what you want to do, I promise you there is one branch of the military that has exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life. Uh, the craziest I know is, and it's hard, probably hard to get a submarine job after you get out of the Navy, but... Uh, if you can stand You'd be those.
0: surprised how much it relates. It's about uh, crisis management, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, fields to go into after you've served on the submarine. I always have told uh, you, you know, I was a crew counselor when I was on active duty uh, as a collateral duty on uh, two of my subs, and I did it for shore duty in Hawaii. I had about 1,500 people I was responsible for out there at the submarine base. And I uh, always told folks, you do so much in here People will be eager to have your skills. If you, uh, you know, have done uh, a few years on a submarine, on a Westpac or a Med cruise, or you've done boomer patrols, whatever it is, you have you have been under stress.
1: And 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 they can uh, they can afford the corporation can afford to give you a closet size office.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, you'd be amazed what a submariner can do uh, with 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 not much uh, not much to work with. It's nothing sort of amazing. Um, David, before we uh, – I know we'll run out of time before too long. Could I share something with that I just touched on a little bit during our talk in May? It's about the Georgia World War II Heritage Trail because I, something I want your listeners to be aware of because it's not just about us down here. It's about the whole state. Absolutely. And, uh, I appreciate that. So uh, the Georgia World War II Heritage Trail is a group of 10 partner museums across the state. And this came together we were the last one to be a part of it uh which i'm very grateful that they uh, reached out to us down here uh but uh, just recently they received a um travel blazer award by the georgia association of convention and visitors bureau at their conference in savannah at the end of may and that's uh, a great reflection of the hard work done by so many folks uh, uh to get this off the ground and we launched unofficially uh, we sort of did what's called a soft launch in february due to the covid situation about half our facilities, including mine, were not open yet um, uh, after COVID, but uh, um, we're going to do a formal launch uh, sometime, uh, The I believe, it's the beginning of September. Um, but the, the World War II um, Heritage Trail is partner museums, beginning with the Hee Military Museum up in Tacoa, the Commemorative Air Force Museum in Peachtree City, the Museum of Aviation in Warner Robins the National Infantry Museum over in Columbus, the Georgia Aviation Hall of Fame in Warner Robins, the National Museum of the 98th Air Force in Pooler, the National Prisoner of War Museum in Andersonville, the World War II Homefront Museum on St. Simons, the World War II Flight Training Museum in Douglas, and the St. Mary's Submarine Museum in St. Mary's. Uh, And the, um, the... the thrust of those facilities uh, to be a part of this is about the World War II history uh, that uh, Georgia uh, and the nation went through, and it's a great uh, – we have a, uh, what we call a passport, um, and it's uh, similar to uh, what the National Park Service has. As you visit different uh, parks across the nation, you can get a stamp uh, from each, uh, each facility. And we have a little book you can write notes in about the facility that you visit. But it's a great, it's a great way to travel the state, and uh, or if you're traveling the state, see one of these facilities, or or hopefully all ten of them eventually uh, that played a part in World War II, uh, in in the war effort uh, that our nation engaged in. And I'm really so proud of it. And uh, if folks want to learn more about it, if they go to GeorgiaWWIITrail.org. Um, that's the website for the trail. And then each partner museum you can click on, and it'll take you to the each museum's website. Uh, so it's a great way to, to learn about World War II history here in Georgia.
1: Uh, Keith, could you do me a favor? and? Uh I'm sure you know. Does it have a uh, director, or who's in charge of the uh, heritage? Uh,
0: so, so, Sherry Jones um, is. Uh, she is the executive director of the Coastal Georgia Historical Society, and she is the chair of the trail. And uh, so we have a. Uh, we sort of have a uh, an informal group. I would say it's not a structured uh, thing. It, it's a, a. We have a, a board, if you will, and each director from each museum is part of it, but Cherry is the chairman, uh, and she's done an amazing job, uh, uh, Darlene McClendon from the Museum of Aviation, she is the vice chairman, and, uh, we we just have a great group, but we, we met for most of the last few months on Zoom, um, to really get this off the ground and, and, and running, and, uh, it's just absolutely been a great project, and I'm so proud of all of the hard work, Uh, uh, they did all the hard work before I was able to be a part of this, but, uh, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that they've given us to uh, to join this great trail, and uh, it's really exciting. I, I can't wait for our formal kickoff, uh, and I'll be sure to send you an email once I know the details about it so you can share with your listeners.
1: Oh, I'd love to, love to, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Georgia's really becoming a, a veteran state, and uh, you know, uh, Peachtree Corners, uh, We we mentioned uh, Johns Creek in Newtown Park, and uh, we're in certainly uh, Rick White's in the Hall of Fame, military veterans Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta, and uh, your museum, and we're we're really the state is really doing a good job of remembering our veterans and remembering. Absolutely. You know, the sacrifices that they've made, and um, I hope we uh, don't ever have to go through anything like we did in some of our wars, and I hope we don't have to go to war, in fact. I couldn't
0: agree more. One other uh, comment I would like to make, David, before I forget, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. As I was talking, um, a thought popped into my head listening to you a few minutes ago when I shared about how important um, the... um, the technology is uh, on our submarines and, and how the uh, the guys that operate them, the girls that operate them, are, are key to that. Something else, another thing that often gets overlooked, as you mentioned, are the family members back home. And, and we do uh, so much to, uh, to thank them. Uh, we don't do enough sometimes, but uh, I want to mention them, as you did. But also... The guys and gals who build and maintain these vessels, we have a large workforce here at Kings Bay. The refit facility has, I believe, about 900 uh, employees, civilian employees, from welders to shipfitters fitters to all kinds of trades uh, that keep these vessels um, what we call sub-safe uh, to, to go out there and do their mission. But also the men and women, the incredible uh, industrial base we have at Newport News Shipbuilding in Virginia an electric boat company up in Groton, Connecticut. Those are the two places that build submarines for our nation. They have a great partnership with the Virginia-class submarine program. It is one of the most successful um, acquisition programs the Navy has ever had. Um, they joint uh, develop stuff, build stuff, and uh, one submarine uh, shipyard will Commission a sub, then the next, the the other one will do the next one. So it's a great partnership, great cost-saving um, uh, uh, event. And uh, Electric Boat will be building the new, what we call the Columbia class. Uh, That is going to be the replacement for our Trident class because our Tridents, uh, we just overhauled the last one here in Kings Bay to get a new tank of gas, a new reactor core. The USS Wyoming just came back to us uh, a few months ago. Uh, She's getting ready to start the last half of her life. But we will start losing these submarines, um, I believe it's around 2027, 2028, and the new Columbia class is going to take their place. So uh, maybe you'll have me back another time uh, down the road and I can share more about the Columbia class because it's really exciting. Uh, the replacement to our Trident-class submarines.
1: Will it be a, a nuclear-powered?
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Wow.
1: Uh, you know, I think it was in, and you can probably, uh, you probably know the story anyway, the, the uh, KGB had uh, taken, taken a sub from the Russian Navy and... Uh, it was like 432 miles off the coast of uh, Hawaii. Do you know this story?
0: Um, I'm not sure if I'm remembering which one you're talking about, but I know the Russians and the, the Soviets did a lot of crazy things. Uh, you know, Howard Hughes had something to do with uh, the uh, raising recovery, one of them up.
1: Yeah, the recovery oh, yeah. of the sub that uh, the Russians, we had given the Russians our fail-safe system, for protecting against accidental launching of right. a nuclear weapon. Yeah. And, uh, but the KGB didn't know it. The Russian Navy knew it, but the KGB didn't. And so they were off the coast of Hawaii, and they overrode the failsafe system, launched the missile, except because of the fail-sa- fail-safe system, it went off within the missile tube and uh, destroyed the submarine. It sank, obviously, in something like 17,000 feet of water. And Howard Hughes was, I guess a word would be commissioned, to build a ship that could recover it. And they did.
0: It was called the Glomar Explorer. You you can uh, read a lot about that uh, particular incident. Uh, It's an interesting part of uh, world and submarine history, to, to be sure um before i forget uh david if you would indulge me one more time i also want to give one more shout out if i could to uh my good friend uh captain fred Boyle's retired uh he used to be our uh, uh park superintendent here at cumberland island national seashore he is the one who introduced me to rick and to you uh so i want to give a shout out to fred up there and uh he's uh up there in athens georgia enjoying retired life uh, being a being a uh a granddad and uh uh, we miss him down here in St. Mary's, him and his wonderful wife, Debbie, but I uh, appreciate Fred uh, reaching out to me to uh, for me to be able to share uh, with you all uh, the rich story of our St. Mary's Submarine Museum and our submarine force.
1: Oh, it's great, and uh, I would like to do a shout-out for uh, Fred as well and thank him for remembering us. and. Uh, getting rick in touch with you and and then you and i getting in touch with each other and it's always a pleasure and my final question is will you come back keith
0: i would love to absolutely i look forward to it david and uh again i thank you for the opportunity to uh to share uh, a little bit this morning with your viewers and uh i would ask that uh They keep those folks that were injured last night on the base in their prayers today as they go about their business. And, uh, uh, again, thankfully the news was good here and that uh, there was no loss of life. So we're grateful for that, grateful for the opportunity to spend with you today, and uh, look forward to my next visit with you.
1: You got it. Thanks, Keith. Take care.
0: All right. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.